Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Happy Monday, everyone. Glad that you're here. It's a motivated Monday, too. Today is September 15, 2014, and welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. I'm your host, Technisha. We're going to get this thing rolling. You know how we do. Call in at 347-426-3751. The chat box will be open. On with me is a cool cat. You may have heard of him, Kevin O'Brien. He's a regular on the sitcom Table Mountains. He also is a consultant on a documentary, The Hollywood Blackout. He has worked with all the stars that we know, from Jodie Foster to Bradley Cooper and Martin Sheen, of course. Yes. And he is here with us to warm us with his warm presence today on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm so glad to have him in the building with us. It's an honor to have this young man on with us today. Um, and I'm just glad that you're here with me. Like I said, it's, it's a pleasure. I thank everyone for following me on my page, um, my Facebook fan page, and also, you know, you can find me at on Twitter at tday60 as well. So we're going to get this thing cracking. We're going to bring Kevin on. So, Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's, it's very exciting to have you on, Kevin. I'm very honored to have a young man such as yourself on. First of all, you're doing this new sitcom called Tabor Manus. Let's talk about that. Yeah. What is it all about? Well, it's, uh, it's about four guys who live in a group home, um, and our new therapist who comes in has no idea what she's getting herself into, and uh, it's about us uh, dealing with situations and, and loving each other for who uh, each individual person um, is. And cause we, uh, I should say, we all have a different mental ailment that we're dealing with, but uh, we don't judge each other, and we, you know, we're there for each other, and we, uh, we love each other. That's the basis of it. So what's the cast like? Because I know you're working with... Um, I think Alejandro Patino, who was Caesar on oh, yeah. the bridge, he played in yeah, house. So who are all the other yeah, characters that are playing with you? And then we've got uh, Cody Saint New, who's uh, he's a young he's a young kid. He's on the show uh, Team Wolf on MTV. Uh, Monica Barbaro, um, she plays Natalie. She's the lead. Um, and Manu, and I always butcher his last name. I think it's in. I always butcher it. Um, but he uh, was he was on. Star Trek, um, and, and then me. So it's a really good cast. We had a really good time shooting this. It was um, We all had a lot of fun, um, so we hope that, you know, that is uh, evident when people watch the show. But it's a big – this is really a big change for you, from you working actually in film, because um, if anybody can remember the Dangerous Lights of Alter Boys movie that you played in with Jodie Foster, this is a step from all that um, – so what is it like to actually do TV now? Uh, it's great. I mean, it's, the process is, is, is really similar for me as, you know, my work as an actor, but um, it's, um, it's definitely a little – I take the back. It is a little different in that the, uh, the, the time frame um, right. 
of the productions are, are different. Um, but it's been great. Actually, I've been stepping into more uh, sitcom stuff recently. I did a, a guest star spot on this show called The First Family with John Witherspoon and Jackie Harris last year. Um, so that was fun. It was a broader comedy uh, multicam, and that was something I had never done before. So it was fun to learn from, from those guys and, and, and use that knowledge in, in you know, working on table manners. Right. Now, who thought of the idea about table manners? Because it's, it sounds interesting. You know, you think about that, somebody going over your house, you, you wish that they had those type of home training values, but they obviously don't. So who is behind all this creative work? Oh, it, uh, our writer and creator, Betty Sullivan, she, uh, she oh, wrote right. it. And, um, you know, she's fantastic. And I think that, you know, mental illness is something, I mean, again, I can't speak for her, but um, it seems like that's something that really um, – resonates with her, and so she wanted to write a story about about it, and, uh, you know, luckily I was able to get in an audition for it and, and do good work and, and book the job and, and, and work on the show. Okay. Now, like I said, we, most of, if anybody was following along, I, you have to actually stand out into this movie, but we can all probably remember the Dangerous Lights of Alter Boys. How was it? like just working with Jodie Foster on that, being an actor herself, and I assume she was very patient and helpful to you. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, throughout the whole, even the audition process, um, it, it, she she was just uh, a pillar of confident, quiet confidence, and um, she was just there. She created an atmosphere on set that was one that uh, made everybody feel like they were part of a team. And, uh, you know, being a you know, Academy Award winner and all that stuff. She could have very easily played that card, but she was so caring, so open, so warm. Actually, the entire cast. Emil Hirsch was on that that film also before he uh, before he blew up, and Kieran Culkin and my buddy Jake Richardson and Tyler Long. The cast, again, that cast is always that cast was really great, also. And I've I've been really lucky in my career to work with really great actors and and be a part of really good ensemble casts. Right, and the animation that was about it made you actually want to watch it. And, you know, when I went back and actually took a look at it, I didn't even know Vincent D'Onofrio played on it. Because I, I like to see him star in movies as well. I didn't even know he was on it. Oh, yeah, he's a fantastic He's a fantastic actor. Um, Jenna Malone was also in it. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a great, it was a great project to work on. It kind of got my, you know, it started my love of acting. Like I saw how it actually worked from, you know, basically beginning to end. Um, and it was, it was just a fantastic experience all around. Right. So I know that had to be exciting. So mostly what stands out to you as you think about working with Miss Foster on the dangerous life of altar boys? Um, the, the biggest memory I have after the first day of shooting, we, um, we all come back to our, you know, separate trailers and stuff, and I had a, a gift bag in my in my trailer, and I opened it, and it was a Game Boy. It was a Game Boy Color. I'll never forget. It was a purple Game Boy and a note in it, and uh, it said, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it said, you know, I'm so happy that you're sharing your talents with, with me on this film, and I'm looking forward to working with you. And for some reason, that just, you know, it, it always stuck with me because she didn't have to, she really didn't have to do that, um, but she did, and, and and it meant a whole lot. Yeah, I know it did, and it sounds like it just, that's a memorable part of doing things like this because it sticks with you, so I'm glad you were able to get that experience. Now, which of those early movies you did, the old, the Dangerous Lights, Alter Boys, Midnight, Meat Train, was 
probably the most rewarding experience? Most rewarding? Oh, man, that's a that's a good question. Um, I would probably say rewarding. I'd have to say Alter Boys, just because of the relationships that I built, and you know, the other the other films I did, they were, you know, I was only there for a couple of days. Um, but with Alter Boys, I was there from the beginning to end, the whole five-week uh, production. So I got a chance to really solidify relationships with the cast members and the crew and, you know, the director and stuff like that. So I really I, – I walked away from that experience feeling like I was a part of something really special. Okay. Now, balancing yourself between TV and film, which of them do you prefer the most? <laughs> Honestly, whichever one's paying, whatever one's going to hire me. Um, <laughs> right, right. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, but but honestly, my my work as an actor it doesn't change much from preparing for film or television. So whatever role, whatever roles are uh, brought to me, um, I try to bring as much honesty to uh, what I'm doing as possible. And if that happens to be in film or it happens to be in television, it really doesn't matter to me. Right. Say which I know that's right. That was an honest answer. Whichever one <laughs> with the bread on. Table, I don't. It doesn't matter as long as it's legal. I'm not getting arrested and don't have to worry about the cops coming. I know that's right. I love that. I would say you're becoming more of a regular on TV comedies now. How did that come about for you? Because you talking about you went from from this this film and you went from horror because that's what Midnight Meat Train is more like Mm -hmm. the horror type. So how did you end up getting into comedy? Honestly, and I, I think I was speaking to somebody about this the other day, it's really funny. I think that I've always had the capacity to do comedy really well. It's just I never trusted that in myself. And I think, you know, over the past couple of years, I've been much more accepting of my comedic ability and just trusting it. And so when I go into, you know, auditions for sitcoms and stuff, I can bring bring that side of myself into it. And that's, you know, it's kind of worked out well over the past uh, over the past couple of years. So hopefully, I, you know, I can... I can use that because I do, you know, I do think that I have a, a very large range as an artist, um, and now I'm able to trust the comedic side just as much as I believe in the in the dramatic uh, ability that I have. Well, I tell you, it's never too late out there for anybody to really just bloom and just get in there. You just got to know that's a better place to probably start, or either you can start late, but you just got to know you got to know, because I know it's obstacles everywhere that you actually go. There's no doubt about that. Um, and like I said, I'm just glad to see that we have more of us getting into comedy. And they're actually not being stereotyped as much, even though some some things are still stereotyped, because that's one thing. And we're going to get into that, too, because I know that you also do a blog as well. Now, Kevin, tell us more about your character, Reggie, on Table Matters. Okay, so Reggie, he is uh, he he suffers from what used to be called disinhibited social engagement disorder, which basically means when he was growing up, he bounced around to different foster homes and 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 group homes and stuff like that. So he never had a solid foundation of of love and support from an elder, um, you know, whether it be a parent, a parental figure, or whatever. So he never had that. So he developed this condition where he just basically thinks everybody's his best friend, and he. He goes over and, and beyond to to feel that connection, and a lot of times he crosses you know social you know social bar- uh, boundaries that he shouldn't cross, and he just doesn't understand it. Um, so that's kind of directly impacted his life and his development to where now he really it's hard for him to function in, in normal society because he just doesn't understand the social boundaries. Um, but generally, at the heart of him, he's he's just a guy that wants to be 
feel like he's loved and a part of a family, which is why he loves okay. being in that group home so much. Okay. That sounds like it's going to be a great little hit there. I do. I hope for some a lot of success off that. Now, how did Thank you go you. about getting TV gigs? Um, honestly, uh, you know, my, my I got a pretty good team in place. My agents are, are, you know, they work really hard for me. They believe in me. So, um, you know, they, they've been pounding the pavement, so they get me in doors that, you know, I wasn't getting in before, and, and, and now I'm going in knocking knocking these people's socks off, and, and, and they're responding to what I'm bringing to the table. So, Hey, right, bring it all or don't bring nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So what is Ashley the Pace like on a TV series? Is it fast like a soap opera? Um, see, I've actually never worked on a soap opera, but from what I hear, it's not. I've, I haven't experienced anything that quick. I mean, the amount of text that soap opera actors have to go through in a day—it's—I don't—I've never experienced anything like that. But it is—it is pretty fast-paced because you know you are are kind of on a uh, a schedule, um, and you know time is time is money, and so you want to you know you want to get as much done as possible in, throughout the day. So it is a little bit more quicker, a little bit more quick. Oh, oh, now this one I want to ask you, Kevin. Is Tabor Mountain really originated from a play? Uh, no, it, no. It's uh, Betty Sullivan. She created it from that. That's her. That's her brainchild. So yeah. So she okay. sat down and penned it. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now, how much hours a day would you generally probably work on a TV show? Uh, that really or, depends. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, it depends on the shots that you have to get, but you know, right. anywhere between. It's a full. It's a full day. I mean, you know, probably like you know between eight and eight and ten hours, depending. Right. Yeah. Now, what? Uh, so, getting into the fun part of all, who would you say are your comedy idol? Uh, comedy idols got to go number one, Eddie Murphy. Actually, you know what? I won't Come go on. number one. I'll go this. The people I'm going to say they inter, they're interchangeable. So I got to go Eddie Murphy. Um, Martin Lawrence. Martin Martin actually, he's the one who, when his show came on, first came on, for some reason it gave me strange confidence in myself because I was a smaller guy too and all the jokes that he would give uh, to other pe- bigger people and he, how he took the jokes that they gave him, somehow it gave me the ability to go to school and not, you know, not be afraid to be who I was. Um, so I love Martin Lawrence. His comedy is, uh, you know, great. Who else? Um, I said Eddie Murphy. And the old school journey, yeah, Richard Pryor. Those guys, yeah, John Witherspoon, who I got a chance to work with, you know, was, you know, he's pretty funny. Um, and the, uh, who else? I like Jim Carrey, but I'm not, I'm not on do really broad, you know, physical comedy like that. But I enjoy watching what he does because I know how hard that is. Um, yeah, I think that that's a good list. I'll stop there. Right, and those, those are some great comedians. Like they're the ones who changed the game mostly. For us black people just to get out here, I mean, they don't start out to change in this world, but, you know, they broke they broke it down for us. And and they still yeah, doing they, it. We still, we still got a long ways to go, but those were, these are the people who actually paved the way for us. So, yeah, I figured that you were going to put it. I figured Eddie Murphy was going to be the first one to come out your mouth. I said, watch, he's going to fake yeah. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Because if you even watch Eddie Murphy, I mean, even his stand-ups, he, more than his stand-ups, his um, films, you know, Coming to America and Golden Child and that stuff, when you watch his films, there's a lot of, he's hilarious, but there's a lot of heart behind what he does. And I think that's why I was drawn right. to it, because it's not, he's not just, you know, pl- playing a character. He's actually becoming that, and you do feel for what he's doing. There's a lot of heart behind his performances, and that's what I really love about his comedy. 
Right. And I like Richard Pryor because he was a game changer. Even when he was on stage, I I think of him as probably the most influential comedian of his generation besides Bill Cosper. And, of course, we had Red Foss and Dick Gregory came before him. But when you heard him, they sounded so easy for him to do, but it was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. And he was so honest. I mean, he he wasn't afraid to, you know, take what was going on in his life, the demons that he was struggling with, and bring it uh, on the stage and make it funny, but also make it funny in a way that, you know, we as the audience could take some sort of positive lesson from his mistakes. And, you know, that's something I, I, I remember watching him uh, really young and, and maybe not being, not being able to articulate it, but feeling that honesty. Yeah. <clears throat> right. I agree with you. I, I just feel like besides from, the, from him using the N-word all the time, he, do, he just showed you every pain everything that happened in his life, and he knew how to turn that around and make it funny. And I think that's what takes a real comedian. That's what we lose from most of these comedians. They don't know how to do And that's amazing about him, too, because he did use the N-word a lot in his stand-up, but then he went to Africa, and when the stand-up, when he came back, he was saying, like, I've been there, and I will never use that word again because there are none. We're beautiful. And so that that's another example of his honesty and being able to step back and say, I was tripping when I was using the N-word back then, but I've had this experience and this is where I am now in my life and now I'm going to share this with you. Boy, I, that was that was a great man to just to just honor. And Eddie Murphy is the same way. He did a lot of profanity, but you you just grow. You grow and you learn from these guys. And like I said, they paved the way for all of us. I think even yeah. for women, well, I don't know about as far as it goes with women, but maybe even black women. Because it was hard to get out there to be the ha-ha, the funny guy. You know, we used to be the ones uh, people put the color black on their face and make fun of us. Yeah. So, you know, so a lot yeah. of things have changed. Some things still need changing. And as I said before, we're going to get into that because this young man that I'm with here today has a nice blog out talking about all those different things that we're still conquering every day in our life, being African-American. Now, what else are you hoping, Kevin, to accomplish in your career? Because you got oh, so wow. much I mean, coming for you. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I, want to, I want to inspire as many people as possible. And, you know, through, through this business and, and, and hopefully continued success, you know, get a platform, a bigger platform where I can reach more people um, and help them and, and maybe inspire them like, you know, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and everybody inspired us. Um, that That's my ultimate goal. Whatever, and then whatever, you know, financial gain or, or awards or whatever come from it, that'll be, that'll be a bonus. But ultimately I want to just continue to inspire and, and help people. I know. And just try to stay on the right track. That's all that we ask from you because, that's another thing that took most of our creative black people down, Dorothy Dandridge, all of them, just getting into the cycle world of drugs and getting hooked. That that just took it down. You know, yeah. we had a lot of talented people, but when you go to that other dark side, then that's another thing that, that you have to battle with. Yep, I agree. So I, and just taking a step back to marinate on all that has happened in your life is very motivating. I, I think you're a very motivating person yourself. Now, with Thank you. The social, 
You're so welcome. And the social media really helps you to connect with your fans, you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was speaking to somebody about that the other day, how how um, how powerful social media uh, can be if you use it in the right way. I mean, it could be negative if you choose to use it that way, but for me it's just a great way to – to just put positivity out into the into the world, and people can, you know, you may never know the people that you reach um, through social media, but you know, it 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 does. When you put the positive out there, it does impact people, whether you know it or not. Right. Um, and you know, just thinking of back again with Richard Pryor when he said in his rare moment of straight face Kadura when he told people, he said, I like the people to see my picture and laugh and have stories to tell. Tell some lies on me. Just to bring joy, you know. That's, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm glad that you're in the comedy because that's what it's all about. We want to make people, motivate them and make them smile. And I'm glad that you're on social media where you can spread your joy to everybody. Now, growing up, before we get to this blog part, what was your life like just growing up? Did you already figure that you was going to be a comedian, going into film? Um, no, actually, no. Um, well, growing up, I grew up in South Carolina, and uh, okay. you know, it was yeah, it was great. I mean, we had one younger brother, and my mom and my dad, and you know, we <laughs> loved each other. Like that's that's actually my foundation now. That's what gives me gave me the confidence to move to California and pursue this. Uh, that, um, but as far as acting, I I luckily got a couple you know local TV shows. Like I booked my first six I think auditions I went on then, um, but even then I didn't really think it was a viable option as far as a career, and that really didn't come until until college. I initially went into college as an education major. I wanted to teach um, teach elementary school, uh, but then another film came my way and I booked it. So I, I I felt like I was fighting against something that I shouldn't be fighting against. And so I just embraced it and then, you know, really took it seriously, studied the craft of it, and, and uh, went, to Shakespeare, went to the Shakespeare Theater, New Jersey, did some shows, and then packed two bags and moved to California. And, that's, and it's been a, a crazy ride since. Right. Now, we are getting to the good of it all. We're going to talk about Kevin's blog, which is, which is it's very deep. It is to me. And... And when you really get into it, you really kind of start to find out who who am I really, even as a black person or probably as a white person too. You talk about friendship on here. You talk about give a man a fish um, and the fact that there are three sides to every story when you talk about Trayvon Martin and Zimmerman. And, and I do agree with that, just as the same situation with Michael Brown. We and I talked about this previously on my other shows too, Kevin. That we get upset because of history. That's the way we express ourselves. We mm-hmm. white people did something to us. We explode. We don't know another way to really express ourselves except through violence. I don't condone what they were doing in Ferguson, burn down Quick Trip or or whatever else they did. I don't agree with it, but that's the way we express ourselves. And, of course, our other our other race will do differently from us. And that's why I like reading your article because in there, you know, you was mentioning 
we would never know exactly what happened between George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin because we are missing a critical part of the equation. All we have to base our opinions on are the evidence collected by law enforcement and the words of Mr. Zimmerman, which is true. We don't know what yeah. happened. We don't know. We it's really don't know part. between Michael Brown and the other and the cop, but we have to let the law, regardless of what we feel, we still have to let the law prevail and do its job. We got to let and even have to let them go through trial. You're right. And then, but, and then, you know, and then even if we, you know, you feel like law enforcement isn't doing their job, there are, there are, are much better ways to get your point across um, rather than resorting to violence. I think that, you know, I do understand that sometimes when you feel like you're back into a corner, that's the only, you feel like that's the only option that you have. But in reality, uh, there are much better ways to go about getting your, your point across, um, especially when it comes to uh, situations like, like what happened in Ferguson. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm not one. I, I just think I just don't think violence ever really solves anything. I think it just kind of well, exacerbates uh, situations and make things worse. Um, when we are in a place now where we do have the ability to you know, educate ourselves and, 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 and speak our minds and, and, and protest and, and rally and boycott and all that stuff, um, violence never really, it doesn't seem like that's an answer to me. Right, and we we always have been profiled, so it doesn't make anything that George Zimmerman did any different. We've been profiled from being ghetto or whatever, been prostitutes for women. It's it's gonna always be like that. There is some people not gonna change. You have some people right now sitting next to you still stuck in nineteen fifty. Yep, they're it's not true. going to it's change. True. But, I but what, I, what I've learned, though, through that is – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But what I've learned through that, though, cause again, I, I grew up in the South, and, you know, there are a lot of old traditions down there. But what I learned at an early age is that if you continue to be your, you know, your true self and, and shine your light, you can change people's view of, of race or, or uh, you know, gender or whatever. You can change that stuff by just simply being who you are. Um, because I've had numerous experiences growing up where, you know, somebody may – you know, have this idea of what they think a black guy is, and then they speak to me and we interact, and like, wow, I, you know, I'm glad we had this conversation because I didn't never knew that you're exactly like me. As, as, as weird as it sounds, like they just don't, a lot of people just don't understand because they're not exposed to it. Exactly. So I think this battle is going to always keep going on between black and white. I mean, there's nothing that we can do. You know, if I feel like this too in my heart, if 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 he did if he done wrong, he he will have a calling day, and I know people oh, yeah. don't want to hear that. He has to answer to God. You do not get away with nothing down here, so no. don't think that he's getting away with something. If he if he done wrong and he wins the case. Trust and believe me, you got the answer to God, so you're not getting away with nothing. Even if you feel like you won, you still haven't gotten away with nothing. And I, right. and I do, exactly. and I am, and I am. I get tired of seeing our black guys getting gunned down. And I know it's not a better answer to everything, but I just say that we just need to go back to praying. We cannot act irrational. We can't go out and burn up everything. Now, you can't burn up yeah. the gas station either because we still need that. We need yeah. the gas station. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be going down two miles, try to get to a gas station I'm on E. So let's get a little <laughs> rapid now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's think before we act, right? Look, I think that's what we all got from Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. You gotta have a little out there and something, because it is yeah. very sad that this is going on. It's going on in our faces right now. We know things are reality. Racism has not died down, and if you think it has, then obviously you got to be blind. And I have heard yeah. people say, "Oh, I don't see color." Well, for you not to see color is very. I'm gonna say it's ignorant. Because I have to see it for what it is. It, it hasn't changed. That doesn't mean that I, I dislike anybody because I was brought up to love everyone, regardless of what color, creed you are, whatever you want to be by the end of the day. I'm going to love you still because we all bleed the same. We all yep. came in this world. God created everybody. Nobody is different from nobody. And even when the song, you know, made me think about Drake when he said, we started from the bottom, now we're here. We didn't start. We didn't start from no bottom. We already was on the top. We was saying things were taken away from us that brought us here. You just have to do your history, people, because we didn't start from no bottom. Black people, we never was on no bottom. All this was us. That's why I said, who are we really? When you fill out the application, are we really true African American, or can you really say you're a true Caucasian? I, I really don't think so, but we're going to have to probably say that for another show with Kevin because I see that him and I are probably are on the same page. Yeah, yeah that'd be, I'd love to have that conversation because, you know, race, race relations, especially in America, is, is definitely one that I'd love to talk about because of my experience growing up in the South and, and, uh, right. and my experiences out in California. So it, I would love to have that conversation on another show. Right. I, w- I would love to have it. Um, now, getting back to... Table Mountains, when can we catch this show? Well, actually, you know, right now we're <coughs> actually had lunch with the producer the other day, and, you know, she's pitching to a couple different networks, so uh, that that's going to be to be determined. Uh, but hopefully hopefully, sometime uh, early 2015 we'll be able to get that out to the into the world. Oh, awesome, because I cannot wait to actually see and, and check you out. Um, my brother, you stay strong. You're doing so much right now, and I'm glad to see you on a positive note. I'd rather see that than to see you out here locked up or anything else. So that makes me very proud. I'm glad that your mother raised a civilized, mountable male, because you, you could hear it in your voice. He didn't come on Thank here, you. oh, yeah, and all that stuff. He didn't come on here trying to impress nobody. He came with his true self, and that's and that's what I like. And, Kevin, I just hope for so much in your future endeavors. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure my mom and my dad will love, will love hearing that last part you just said. So thank you for saying that. I know that. they will, too. Our parents, our, we got to make our parents proud, you know. Oh, yeah. We do. And, and you motivated so many out here and passing your message on. And I hope everyone who has a son out here or a daughter, please let them listen to this today. Because we need more of our our own race, even though we might be confused of who we are. We need to stick together. We got to stick together and be strong. We got to be strong, people. That's what Martin Luther King fought for us. Rosa Parks, they all died for us fighting for this cause. And some of you just not getting it. You, you're still messing up. They didn't die for you yeah. to be foolish to act ignorant. You know, bring me, not even trying to keep you on long, Kevin, but it brought me back to the matter that someone had posted up some flyers and used Martin Luther King's face. And I was like, wow, is that what we really coming to now? We're using wow. his face to, to 
to advertise a school party on on a college campus like that's that's what he wanted us to do like wow but yeah. like I said you go out there you keep doing what you're doing Kevin you make us proud honey and we are behind you all the way thank you so much thank you, you so much so and we we love you here on Blog Talk Radio we do I'm looking forward to coming back and chopping it up some more. All right. We shall do that again. Now, my audience, my listeners, before I leave, I got to hit you with the truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen, which is no issue you encounter is outside the range of your capabilities when you access the wisdom you already possess. Use common sense when you approach your affairs today. Keep a list of your duties as this will help you to further your efforts. You will find that you have no need for outside guidance as the knowledge you need is already at your fingertips. Your inner wisdom acts as a catalyst empowering you to move forward at a faster and more effective pace. Today, know the guidance you need in situations is already embedded in your mind. Everyone, enjoy the day. Have a blessed one. Get a cup of coffee. Do what you need to do. Um, just make sure that you don't let no one stand in your way and maintain strong. My black people out there, please maintain strong. God, he has not. Let me tell you something like this. No one ever gets the final say. But make sure you keep a lookout on my boy Kevin O'Brien on his sitcom coming out, The Table Matter, so you keep watching because I will be posting for you to make sure that you're watching. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to check. <laughs> right. Well, I'm watching you to make sure that you're watching Kevin. So we all got our eyes open. But, Kevin, thanks again, man. You have a blessed one. Much love to you and your family. Thank you so much. And you keep keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Everyone, I'm out, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.